What is up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, punch down on that, subscribe. But in today's show, former NBA player CJ Watson joins in to talk about his NBA career, Bulls basketball, his top five shooters of all time, and much more. You could find CJ on the Believe in Bulls podcast, Shouts to the Believe Network, intro music, by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Luca, don't do it to him. CJ Watson, former NBA player. He's now a podcaster. I mean, how, it, it's ironic. Quiet Storm, now podcast, talking <laughs> basketball. How, how's, how's that been for you? Uh, it's been fun, man. You know, just telling my my uh, my side, my little intelligence that I have from playing the game of basketball. So, you know, it's always fun just to get my little two cents here and there. Yeah, we'll get to both basketball, but I wanted to start with your career. Um, you started overseas. I know it wasn't um, a favorable experience for you, but what did you learn? on the court and off the court playing abroad? Um, just on the court, I just learned how to be a professional, um, just learn how to perfect my game, perfect my craft. I had a different coach every month, so it was kind of it's kind of hard to learn one coach's system, and then, you know, three or four weeks in, he gets fired, then you got to do the same <laughs> thing over and over again. So I think that was just uh, the hardest part for me for being overseas. And then off the court, just um, just, just learning how to grow up and just be a, a young man, you know, uh, le- learning and adapting to a new culture, going to – a place I've never been to before and trying to, you know, learn a new language and then trying to learn how they, how they live and just kind of portray it to my life. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, playing overseas was very interesting for me and the way they take wins and losses a lot different. Like <laughs> when you win, it's like, you're the greatest team ever. And when you, right. lose, when you lose, it's like the end of the world. Like the highs are really high and the lows are really low. Oh yeah, for sure. They definitely want to kill you when you lose. And when you win, you like, like you said, you're a superstar, but if you lose that one game and don't, don't be on a team where it plays only one game a week, you got a long time to practice yeah. and get over that loss. <laughs> Most definitely. All right. So you eventually made the league by way of what was then called the D league. What was that experience like for you actually getting that first 10 day contract? It was crazy because the whole time that was my whole process of going to the D League was like, uh, I didn't want to go back overseas. I'm pretty close to getting to the NBA. So let's, let's let's try this out and see how it works. And my agent kept calling me like the first couple of weeks saying like, uh, this team likes you, this team likes you. But I'm like, they're not making any moves. So how about you just don't call me anymore until someone wants to really pull the trigger. <laughs> and uh, he didn't call me for like three or four weeks. And uh, that's how I really uh, talked to him. And he said, hey, the call's here. Two teams actually called me up at the same time, but the Warriors jumped the gun. So I'm definitely grateful for that. What was that moment like when you actually got that first time on an NBA regular season game court? I know some of it must be walking on eggshells because it's a 10-day contract, but right, you yeah. must have been also very happy as well because, you know, it's a lifelong dream. Yeah, I was definitely happy. You know, like I said, it's a, it's a lifelong dream. It's something I lived, uh, I worked hard for. I lived up for this moment. Even like my family members lived up to this moment. They, they saw all the hard work I put in. And uh, you know, just grateful to be on that court. Definitely nervous um, playing with my one of my favorite players, Baron Davis, and then just uh, just being on that court. You know, just trying to go out there and showcase that I have the skills to to be on this court and be in the NBA. So once you got those full contracts, it must have been a lot easier, right? A lot more seamless to play the game, right? 
Uh, it was a lot more seamless, but it didn't make any any easier because I knew like in, as soon as that summer was over, as soon as the season was over, there's another guy's coming off for my job. There's a draft coming, so I had to you know get get back in the gym. I couldn't take any time off, so it was really just a year round thing. Yep, like everything in life, it's always a new right. challenge, right? <laughs> for sure. Yeah, for All sure. Right. So playing for Tibbs, I, I want to know. Obviously, everybody thinks about him as a defensive coach, but what was the offensive philosophies while you were playing for him? Tibbs was a – if you were a point guard, you wanted to play in Tibbs' system because it was all pick and rolls. It was all dedicated in the point guard. And uh, his his uh, X's and O's is great uh, defensively. Uh, like you said, everyone knows him as a mastermind for defense, but offense, he has great plays. Uh, he gets everybody open. He gets he, he lets you play to your strengths, and that's what you want as a, uh, as a player. Is there anything that – you're an analyst of the game now, so I know he was your former coach, but is there anything – like they're going through their struggles. Is there anything that you could see him doing maybe a little bit differently? Um, I would say maybe, uh, I don't know. This is with Tibbs. I think you just got to get the most use out of your players. You know, uh, the Knicks have always been a struggle team. I feel like <laughs> <laughs> no I mean, any, any Knicks fans out there, but you know, that recently they haven't had the, the greatest past, uh, but I think they just got to find that one superstar player and then kind of just build around them right now. They don't have that, that one kind of box office superstar player who really can go out there and just get you a bucket. And then you can just build around him. They don't have that. I don't think. That is true. Okay, so the Bulls are struggling as well. Is it the injury bug? Because, I mean, this team was buzzing, like, about yeah. maybe a little over a year ago. Is it just the injury bug, or do you believe, like, it's more than that? I think it's a little bit of everything. Um, they, they're they not a great, one of the greatest three-point shooting teams. Um, uh, definitely got two uh, superstars in Zach Levine and in DeJuan DeRozan. Um, Vooch plays a, a big role in that piece, but I think they need some guys who can just come in here and go in there and play defense and also be able to knock down threes. Do you believe Dale and Terry could help them? I think so. I think any any spark right now could be, you know, uh, be needed. Um, I think you got to throw everybody out there just to see what you got because right now you're losing. So anything out there can help, can hurt you. The perimeter defense is a huge issue. What do you see they could do maybe a little bit differently to improve upon that? I think just every every man just looking himself in the mirror and say, what can I do to help my team? Um, I'm not going to let the my guy beat me. You know, I'm going to help the next guy if he gets beat, you know, so so forth and so on. So I think it's just every guy just looking in the mirror and saying, hey, I'm going to be a defensive player. I'm going to stop somebody tonight. I'm going to help my teammate. So AD is a Chicago guy. There's trade rumors, but the way he's playing now, I don't think the Lakers <laughs> would ever trade him. I don't even think they'd probably trade him anyway. But I do hear like Bulls media members saying like they don't even want AD because you can't trust him. Right. If you were the Bulls, would you try and acquire AD? If I was the Bulls, I would try to acquire anybody, honestly. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I don't think uh, AD needs to go there. I think he's fine where he's at. Um, but like I said, I think the Bulls do need to make some moves. Um, like I said, three-point shooting has to be at the top of the radar. So obviously always everybody always wants to talk about the Nets, the Lakers, the Clippers. Um, which of those teams do you believe like are legitimately still in the mix when it comes to winning an NBA championship? I think the Lakers, I think no one really wants to see the Lakers, you know, come down the playoff time. Um, they have three Hall of Famers on their team and, uh, and getting those guys into the playoffs could be scary. Look, you had a post today about the top shooters of all time. There was 10 of them. <laughs> I, I thought it was an, I thought it was in order for a sec. And, and Steph Curry was not at the top, but it wasn't in order. So um, no, no, definitely not in order. <laughs> so t tell me a little bit more about the list and what people were. What, what's the how has the feedback been? Feedback has been number negative, man. I just keep talking. <laughs> you know, any, any attention is good attention in the in the podcast, right? Yeah, game, right? Any, yeah, any easy as easy he said. Any publicity is good publicity. Uh, so I think uh, it's just my opinion, man. I think those are the guys that I feel like I've I've watched, I played against, and um, I've I've seen shoot the ball and and done great things shooting the ball. So I think that's just my you know my personal opinion.
Could you give a top five in order? Top five in order. Uh, Steph, I think, would be number one. Uh, I would say Dirk, number two. Uh, Ray Allen, number three. Clay, four. And uh, Reggie, five. That's a, that's a great list. You had Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf on there. I thought that yeah. was really interesting. But he's definitely an underrated shooter. Yeah, he, I mean, if you watch his highlights and you watch him. I played. I mean, even him. even now, right. big, big three, right? That's <laughs> yes, I said. Yeah, got... I played against him in the big three. He's still knocking down shots at fifty years old. So that's a great shooter in my eyes. <laughs> How was that experience for you, like playing in the big three? It was cool. It was fun. Uh, I said, uh, looking back on it, um, I said I would never play in the big three, just looking at it from afar. But uh, I ended up playing. I ended up enjoying it. Just uh, going out there, playing again the with uh, old teammates, uh, old competitors, and uh, just being in that locker room setting again was fun. So. We got news that Trey Young was supposed to be at that game or they gave, almost gave him like an ultimatum, right? Like, yeah, you could come, but you're not going to start. And right. then he doesn't come. Have you ever seen a situation like that in an NBA locker room before? Uh, yeah, I have. Uh, I'm not going to really talk about it, but I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> what, are your, what are your thoughts on the Trey Young situation since that is public? <laughs> uh, I mean, I think it's, you know, it's uh, it's Coach Navy Millen uh, standing up for his, for his team and for his uh, – for his morals, I think he's an old school coach. Uh, he was my coach in Indiana, so I definitely know where he's coming from. And uh, it just shows you that, you know, uh, players got to be a part of the team. You know, no no one person is bigger than the team. So, I mean, we talked about Nate and we talked about Tibbs. Do you believe, like, and not them too specifically. I mean, you could put Doc Rivers in the mix as well. Some people would say the game has passed them by. Do you feel like they have to change what they do a little bit? <clears throat> and is there anything they could do differently to kind of – fit the modern style. I, I think it's more of a collaborative effort at this point, right? When it comes to coaches and players. Yeah, for sure. You got to give and take a little bit. Um, the game has definitely changed. Um, it's not like it used to be back in the old school days. So um, you're going to take a little bit from both, both eras and you just kind of just put it together and mesh it and hope it, you know, hope it works out to, you know, getting wins and, and turn it into championships. Do you believe the Cavs can make a deep playoff run? I love their backcourt with Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell. I love that move for the Cavs. I'm kind of happy for Donovan. He didn't end up with the Knicks. But right. <laughs> um, how much noise do you believe? Because you cover the East closely. How much noise do you believe that Cleveland can make? I think they're definitely contenders. Um, I think the only thing to, that kind of shocks me or was going to surprise me is like their experience. Um, I think they got a bona fide superstar, like you said, one of the best backcourts, if not the best best backcourt in the in the NBA. And they got two big men who can you know control the paint. Kevin Love coming off the bench, knocking down threes like he usually does. Uh, I think they're definitely contenders. So I think if I was in, on the skill development staff for that team, my sole yeah. focus would be making a Coral a better shooter because I think that's <laughs> all. Like his, he's an under, he's a crazy athlete. Like he's an underrated yeah, athlete for sure. And if he could shoot the basketball, I think that that makes all the difference. Maybe have Karras come off the bench, and that's yeah. a title contender in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, it's those little things, those little things that can help you win a championship. And like, I'm sure he's in the gym, you know, trying to get that that jump shot uh, better. Um, I'm sure that's one one of the things they're trying to focus on. But I think, uh, like you said, just want, if he can knock down that three point shot, that give him way more uh, flexibility. So, are there any teams that you believe that could be title contenders? Because it's wide open this year. Oh yeah, no, for sure. That, that nobody's talking about. Uh, my sleeper team is the Toronto Raptors. I think they. Wow, this year. Yeah, this year. Wow. I think they're sleepers. Um, I think they got a a lot to prove. Um, and those those guys that always play with the chip on their shoulder, they're hungry. Okay, so I want to ask you this before we get out of here, CJ. Give me one piece of advice you give your twenty year old self. Hmm. Uh, I would say just live for every moment. Uh, don't take things for granted. Um, and uh. 
So yeah, just leave it all on the court. If, I, if I'm talking to the basketball player person, right? Do, do you feel there was times that you were taking it for granted while you were in the league, or not really? Like you enjoyed every moment. Uh, so I didn't get to the league until I was 23. So uh, okay, saying uh, like as like overseas, like when I was overseas, I didn't really take the experience of going to a different country and uh, kind of like adapting to their culture. I, I didn't really. When I was overseas, I just stayed in my apartment the whole time. I didn't go out and sightsee or venture until like my last uh, time overseas. So I think I that I would have did that differently. I would have yeah. went out uh, sightsee a little more, you know, uh, travel a little more. That's one thing I didn't. I think I took for granted. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat as you. But towards the <laughs> end, I towards the end I started traveling more. Like when I was in Denmark, like I went to London and things like right. that. But I definitely like I was all basketball. Like I saw things like when I was in Israel, like the Dead Sea, like. You know, but I definitely was only basketball. Like, I was only thinking right. about gym. And later in my career, I think I enjoyed every moment and then wanted to travel a little bit more. You know, you get that with yeah. age, I think, right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. But I, like I said, if I was younger, I would do that over. I would definitely travel more, see some, go to museums, you know, uh, stuff like that. Things that I like to do. CJ, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Where can we find the podcast? Tell me more about your foundation as well. Uh, the podcast is on the Believe Network uh, every Tuesday and Friday, I believe. Um, just talking about Bulls. By, and... by the way, I, I cover the Magic of the Believe Network, so we're Believe Brothers, okay. bro. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Believe, believe it is Believe Team. <laughs> we're here, and uh, and uh, my foundation is called Quiet Storm Foundation. Uh, we do things here in, in Las Vegas community. We're just trying to uplift the youth, um, help the inner city kids because I was an inner city kid that didn't really have have much, so I just want to try to give back and give these kids opportunities. Most definitely, CJ. Thank you so much for taking the time. You're always welcome back on the show and talk soon. Appreciate it, man. I need a sweatshirt. <laughs> got you. Got you. Got you. Send me the address. I got you. All right. <laughs> Later, bro. All right. There it was. Another episode of Combo's Court. Thank you so much for tuning in. Big shouts to CJ for joining in. We appreciate you. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you're tuning in to Combo's Court. If you would like to receive bonus Combos Court content, check out the Combos Court Patreon page. I'll leave a link in the show notes for that. And if you listen to this episode in its entirety, share it, man. Share it. If you're hearing this right here, share it. Share it with a friend. Share it on Twitter. Share it on Facebook. Share it on your IG stories. That's right. Take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your IG stories. You can tag me on there at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O. C-O-M-B-O and be on the lookout for episode 426 combo out.